Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. know what's going on in people's lives that we're able to bring such condemnation or judgment. I mean, after all, are we omniscient? Do we know all things? Do we understand every aspect of that person's situation of their lives and of all of their actions? Do we know the innermost reasonings of their hearts? They say we don't even know our own hearts most of the time. Are we the ones who are omnipresent? Have we been present through all of this individual's lives? We've seen the battles that they fought. We've seen the issues that they face. When the woman who was caught in adultery was brought before Christ, Jesus did not condemn her. Instead, he said to the Pharisees, Let him who is without sin cast the first stone. In today's message, Pastor David warns us against being too judgmental. He also reminds us that only the Lord God is omniscient and omnipotent. Therefore, only Jesus is fully able to rightly judge an individual. Christians are instructed to show mercy to others because they have been shown much mercy by the Lord. Now here's Pastor David with part two of today's message entitled, The Believer's Walk. Listen to the description of God that King David gave in Psalm 103. I'm going to begin down in verse 8. You can look at it later. But David says, The Lord is merciful and gracious. He is slow to anger and abounding in mercy. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He's not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. Amen? For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust." As for man, his days are like grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourishes. For the wind passes over it, and it's gone, and its place rem- and its place remembers it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, and his righteousness to children's children's. Now, if that's the kind of mercy that our Father has... Isn't that the kind of mercy that we ought to be walking in? If that's the kind of mercy that you and I have received from the Lord, how much more should we show mercy to those that are around us? We as Christians, above all other people in the earth, we need to be merciful people. Above all other people on the earth, we know that our Heavenly Father is merciful. We've received His mercy 
He's loved us in spite of ourselves. He's granted his mercy to us. Shouldn't we, above all people, walk in mercy as a reflection of what our Heavenly Father has done for us? One writer describes mercy as exuberant kindness. Exuberant kindness. And isn't that really what the Lord God has showered down upon us? His exuberant kindness, although we don't deserve it at all. This is his unmerited favor toward us. And throughout the word of God, we see, uh, again, as disciples of Jesus Christ, we see where we are instructed to live our lives with this continual attitude of mercy. Not limited to some. Given here, but not given here. No, we are called to live our lives with an attitude of mercy. And part of mercy's demonstration in our life is lived out in these very next statements of Jesus in what we just read. Because we have a heart of mercy, these ideas of not judging, not condemning, and being able to forgive someone really becomes an outflow of a heart of mercy. And these were so important in the life of the disciple that Jesus put it this way. In verse 37, he says, Judge not, and you'll not be judged. Condemn not, and you won't be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Now that sounds pretty important to me. That's that's some pretty heavy stuff when you think about it. Hear the word judge. It actually comes from a fairly common Greek word, krino. And from the word krino, we get our words uh, critic, or criticize, or criticism, or even discriminate. All of those words come from krino. Here Jesus is getting across this whole idea that we, as his children, as the children of God, that we're not to live our lives to where we form opinions rashly or unfairly. It's really that whole idea of prejudice. And prejudice wasn't born just in our culture. No, prejudice has been around forever. Let's face it, the white man discriminates against the black man. The black man forms an unfair opinion against the Asian. The Asian brings criticism against the Hispanic. The circle goes on and on and on. The academic holds a prejudice against the blue-collar worker. The urban dweller forms an opinion against the city dweller. The rich man stands as a critic against the man that's on welfare. And the circle goes on and on and on. Have I hit anyone yet? The Baptist criticizes the Presbyterian. The Presbyterian forms a judgment against the charismatic. The man that struggles with pride and arrogance brings a strong judgment against a brother who's struggling in the area of pornography. The woman who struggles with gossip and envy, she judges her sister who struggles with substance abuse. How about it? Is it hitting closer home? Somebody might say, oh, you certainly are, Pastor. Exactly what you said, man. That's what so-and-so needs to hear. Well, methinks you missed the point, okay? (laughs) Without having a heart of mercy, we're really quick to criticize. Without having a heart of mercy and an attitude of mercy, we're really quick to form judgments against people. And if you are judgmental in your 
person in, in your attitudes, you're one who has a mental attitude that's filled with criticism and it's absent of mercy. Jesus is speaking against being judgmental. And it's all too often and it's all too easy for us, again, to begin judging the, the motives, to begin judging the, the inner man, which only God can see. Yet we look at an individual's life and we bring judgment over things that we have no idea about. How easy it is to be critical of other people's actions without ever taking the time to stop and consider their situation, their background, or their true motives. A Native American proverb declares, never criticize a man until you've walked a mile in his moccasins. That also comes from a fairly lengthy poem by a Methodist minister back in 1895. Mary Lathrop wrote a long poem. I'm not going to share the whole thing with you, but a few points of that, a few verses of that poem says, Pray, don't find fault with a man that limps or stumbles along the road, unless you've worn the moccasins he wears or stumbled beneath the same load. Don't sneer at the man that's down today unless you've felt that same blow that caused his fall and felt the shame that only the fallen have known. Don't be too harsh with the man that sins or pelt him with words or stone or disdain unless you're sure that you have no sins of your own and it's only wisdom and love that your heart contains. Jesus told us to be merciful just as your Father in heaven is merciful. He says to judge not, and you'll not be judged. And then he goes on to say, condemn not, but you'll not be condemned. And that word condemn, when that's used here, it's with that direct meaning, that, that, that full understanding of casting a judgment against someone, pronouncing them guilty, and planning their punishment. You're, you're judge, jury, and executioner at that point when you bring condemnation against someone. And, and how can we really do that to each other and still claim that we are God's children and still say that we are following after the very heart of Christ? Christ, who had the woman caught in adultery thrown before him, she was guilty. There's no doubt about it. What did Jesus say? Woman, I don't accuse you. But he did say, go and sin no more. What is your heart? How do we know what's going on in people's lives that we're able to bring such condemnation or judgment? I mean, after all, are we omniscient? Do we know all things? Do we understand every aspect of that person's situation, of their lives, and of all of their actions? Do we know the innermost reasonings of their hearts? I dare say we don't even know our own hearts most of the time. Are we the ones who are omnipresent? Have we been present through all of this individual's lives? We've seen the battles that they fought. We've seen the issues that they faced. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not saying that we allow people to get away with wrongdoing. I don't believe that that's anywhere near what Jesus is speaking about here. I believe that what Jesus is dealing with here are the actions and the reactions of individuals who seem to live their lives in judgment of other people and other people's actions. And how easy that is for any of us to fall into that. For that kind of an individual, no one is ever going to measure up. No one is ever going to get it right. 
And that kind of individual, they never intend to take enough time to really get to know and to care about that individual, to care enough to look at the whole situation. That kind of individual doesn't have a heart of mercy. Uh, and, and it's evident in how they respond to other people through their hearts of judgment, through their actions and hearts and thoughts of condemnation. Jesus is saying here that if you are a part of his kingdom, you need to have a heart change. He goes on to say, and you need to forgive. With the knowledge of your sin, let's bring this in personal this morning. Not my brother, not my mother, but it's me, O Lord. Let's bring it in personal. With the knowledge of your sin, past, present, and even future. Do you realize that Christ has forgiven you your sin? That he, knowing exactly who you are and who you've been and all of your tomorrows, you've been forgiven through the processes of God's plan and the work of Christ. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any of us would say, hey, I made it, too bad about you. If there's no forgiveness in our hearts, can there really have ever been a work of forgiveness in our souls? If we've received forgiveness, shouldn't it change our attitude toward others? If you're unforgiving in your heart or in your attitudes towards other people, can you truly say that you've experienced that work of forgiveness in your own life? Maybe, maybe perhaps the thing is that you've set up standards that even the Lord hasn't set up. You feel that some deserve forgiveness and others don't. But I don't want to be too harsh. I don't want to be too much of a, a downer on this. After all, I'm sure that you have sufficient reason to not forgive. I mean, after what they said, or what they did, or what they said and they didn't do, perhaps you feel you have a right to not forgive. Well, maybe you can take your reasons and explain that to Chaplain Michael Whitaker, the father, or the husband of Ruth Ann Whitaker. Perhaps you can explain to him how not, or the reason that you have not to forgive. His wife murdered senselessly, and yet Michael continues to minister the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ in the county jails here, and he ministers to robbers, to thieves, to gunmen, and yes, even murderers. He continues to do that because he knows that God's in charge of vengeance and judgment and not him. Can you give him the reason why you're not willing to forgive? Well, maybe you feel you have a strong, you have a a valid reason to not forgive someone. Then would you be willing to share your reason of unforgiveness with that Amish community back in Lancaster County? On that very same day of that mass murder of those innocent young girls, one of the older Amish men, a grandfather actually, of one of those young girls, went to explain to the younger relatives and friends. And he says, we must not 
think evil toward this man. Speaking about the now dead mass murderer, the man who committed this crime, one of the other fathers of these girls said, this man had a father and a wife and a soul. And now he stands before a just God. Another man from the Amish community says, I don't think that there's anybody here that wants to do anything but forgive. And not only to reach out to those who have suffered a loss in that way, but to reach out also to the family of the man who committed these acts. That's what real forgiveness is. But you have just unforgiveness? I don't think so. And you know what? I I don't know if I would have the same kind of heart as Michael Whitaker or those in that Amish community. I just don't know. I pray and I hope that I would. But I've never been in that kind of a situation. But this is the kind of heart that Jesus is speaking about. And this is the kind of heart that only comes when we begin with mercy in our lives. And this is the kind of heart, this is the kind of action that Jesus showed and demonstrated himself when, as he was hanging on the cross, cried out and said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Believe me, I, I know that there's, there's a tremendous amount of hurts that, that each one of us endured. And some of you have gone through tremendous things and people have harmed you in, in just unbelievable ways. But do you realize that unforgiveness in your own life actually hampers and it grieves the work of the Holy Spirit in your own life? I'm not saying you have to walk back into that situation. What I am saying is you need to walk in forgiveness. Paul tells us in the book of Ephesians chapter 4, he says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ forgave you. A little bit later in the book of Colossians, in Colossians chapter 3, Paul says, Therefore, as the elect of God, that's you and I, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another. That means you've got to put up with me, okay? Bearing with one another. Forgiving one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, you also must do. Did you catch that? Even as Christ forgave you, you also ought to do most of the time. It's not what he says. You also must do. Walking in unforgiveness, someone has said, is like you drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. That's what unforgiveness does in our own hearts. How can we forgive those who have harmed us or our loved ones by their deeds or, or by their words? 
How can I walk in my life without judging and condemning those who, once again, they've shown by their actions or they've shown by their conversations to be such a painful part of my life? How in the world can I do that? I'll tell you, the only way is by this continual surrender of our lives, surrendering all of our pain, all of our suffering, as well as our hurts and our disappointments into the hands of an almighty and sovereign God. God. The writer of Hebrews says that we are to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You know what? I have to forgive. I have to forgive. Because I've been forgiven so much. Today might be that very day in your life that you need to move your life into mercy. You've received mercy from God. Now walk in mercy. Maybe... Today is that day that you need to forego judging and criticizing other people. You need to put yourselves in the shoes or the moccasins of that other person. And understand it's not for you to judge. Maybe today is the day you need to grant a reprieve to those that you've already passed condemnation on. Whether justly or unjustly, you and I aren't the ones to bring condemnation. Because we all stand before a righteous and a holy God, not on our own merits, but standing in, soaked in, washed in the very blood of Jesus Christ. Today you need to realize if you've been a partaker of the forgiveness of God through the sacrifice of Christ, then you need to be that man, you need to be that woman who offers up forgiveness. Even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. Do you know his forgiveness? He offers it to you and I freely, knowing all that we are, all that we've ever been. He offers forgiveness and a new life in him. My prayer for you this morning, first of all, is that you do know his forgiveness. That you've come by faith to realize that you can't please God on your own. Not only has your life already been sinful, but you will continue to sin. As long as you're carrying this carcass around, there's going to be times that you're going to stumble. There's going to be times that you're going to move into areas that you know you ought not be in, rather in thought or action. But yet he offers forgiveness. You need to know that this morning if you don't already. That Christ died as a payment for your sin. And if you do know that forgiveness, if you are a believer in Christ, then you and I, in our lives, we need to start realizing, man, we need to be a people above all people of the world. To be a people who walk in mercy, non-judgmental, non-critical, Not condemning, but forgiving. And let God take care of all of those situations. Open our hearts, change us from. 
hope that today's edition of The Open Word has been a blessing to you. If you live in the Casa Grande, Arizona area, we want to invite you to join us for worship. The messages that you hear on The Open Word are produced from worship services at Calvary Chapel, Casa Grande. Maybe the teaching you heard today is exactly what you're looking for in a church. Then please join us. We meet Saturday evenings and twice on Sunday morning, as well as throughout the week. For more information about when we meet for worship, including driving directions, log on to theopenword.com and then follow the link to the church website. Now here's Tracy with some more important information about how you can help support The Open Word. Radio programs like The Open Word are wonderful tools that God uses to advance His kingdom here on earth. And as with any ministry, there are expenses involved. Today's broadcast was professionally produced, and God has given us a vision to see the open word expand into other parts of the world. Would you prayerfully consider financially supporting the open word? Log on to theopenword.com and simply click on the support option to help us continue to grow. Thanks, Tracy. From all of us here with the production team, we want to say thank you for tuning in, and may God richly bless you.